Blog Talk Radio. Oh, good morning, folks. It has been a rainy, <laughs> rainy, rainy night. So I uh, got a little bit, a um, little bit frog in my voice, but it's going to be a wonderful show. A very powerful message, I think. Uh, it's one of those things. I'm trying to think of words that I could use because obviously this chapter, if you if you saw what I put out there, is on hype, overhyping, underdelivering. I, I think of this every time I do a show. I try to think of something, um, try to think something that blends between business and our personal life because I think we overhype our personal life almost as much as we overhype our professional life, um, and that's that's what. I believe we need to we need to look at. I think that's what Mark is going to be getting into in this chapter. The Little Red Book of Wisdom uh, is the book that we're on. Mark DeMoss, the son of Art DeMoss, the the pioneer of direct response life insurance sales, and the son-in-law. He married April. Son-in-law of Art Williams, the king of term life insurance and utilizing network marketing to move their products. And the reason this is important is because Mark chose public relations as a career. And he he chose really a specific niche, which just happens to be the faith-based arena. But both his dad and Art Williams went through public relations nightmares early in in their careers. And he learned a lot from that. It's one of the things that I admire about Mark DeBoss as somebody that's in public relations uh, Mark is one of my heroes. I've, I've looked at things that he has written and said uh, publicly and realized he knows what he's talking about. Today's chapter, The Amazing Power of Understatement, Underpromise, Overdeliver, I believe is one of the biggest issues facing, I mean seriously facing the the issues in business today, whether it's in direct selling, network marketing, MLM, uh, brick and mortar, the energy industry, politics, it doesn't matter. This is the issue. Matter of fact, I believe that under-promising and over-delivering, or, or the, the reverse of that, the hype, is what's wrong with most of the marketing that we see today. And we're going to get into this. And he, he shares, I think, a beautiful story as we dig into this a little bit. He starts this chapter off saying, less is more. He said, we, we, we arrived at the Washington Post and were led into a richly paneled boardroom where, uh, where editors, reporters, columnists, and editorial executives outnumbered us five or six to one. Tuxedoed, tuxedoed waiters served lunch while I pondered what careers had been sidetracked or sunk in this kind of question-and-answer session. Editorial board meetings are a rich form to tell your story, but never without risk. He said the year was 1997. Oh, I remember this year well. Seven years earlier, the former college football coach named Bill MacArthur, McCartney, excuse me, had founded a ministry-turned-movement called Promise Keepers. Across the United States, a succession of men's stadium conferences had touched a national nerve leading to an event known as the Stand in the Gap, a sacred assembly of men 
on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. Now, here's, the, here's what I want you to understand. This isn't about promise keepers, per se. This is about the National Mall in Washington. Because when large organizations show up in Washington at the National Mall, they're there for a reason. They're there to show political clout. They're there to show that they are they're in charge. They're going to change Washington. I mean, this is where Martin Luther King went and gave his big speech, We Have a Dream. And we saw that, that shift at that moment, a hundred years after the black community had been given their freedom, we saw a shift where they actually won their freedom. I mean, this is an interesting to think about. When you look at everybody that has been to the Washington Monument, that's where the women burnt their bras. Might have been a good movement there. I mean, it, it, it goes everywhere. And every group that's ever shown up, show up there with one purpose, and that is to show their clout. This was interesting. Mark writes, Coach was only a few years removed from a national championship at the University of Colorado. He was no stranger to the media firing line. But this was different. As most Americans know, the road to the National Mall in Washington, D.C. is paved with ambitious ambitions of leaders who have come to flex their movement's political muscle. Their size, their solidarity, the power, the punch, the bragging, the proof if you will, the influence truly lies with how many people show up. The larger the crowd, the stronger the statement. Now, this is interesting because we're talking about a, a, an assembly that's called Stand in the Gap, a sacred assembly of men. The question is, you can rise and fall, especially as a, as a spiritual or religious organization, with what you say. He goes on and says, that day in the post boardroom, the crowd estimate the crowd estimate question came early. So, coach, how many people are you expecting? As the promise keeper spokesman, I decided to jump in. He said, we won't project the number ahead of time. Estimate a number on that day, or debate your numbers the following day. The journalist just looked at us. I put it another way. Gentlemen, we expect a lot of men, but we have no idea how many. Now, it's funny because in politics they'd say, oh, don't ever use those words. Don't tell them you don't have an idea of anything. Don't tell them that. No. But see, when we talk about authenticity, when we talk about being real, when we talk about under-promising and over-delivering, we're talking about telling the truth. It all comes down to credibility. As promise keepers would show humility. You'll see no political speeches, we told the Post, no attempts to influence legislation, no local or national dignitaries, elected or unelected, seated on the platform, no signed petitions, no signs with slogans. Shocked everyone in the room, to be quite honest. And the funny thing was, this just wasn't happening with the outsiders. Bill's own organization had found an organization that was there in Washington that could fly over a crowd, take a picture, run it through a software program, and tell you exactly how many people were there. Mark and his team said, no, we don't want to do this. 
Number one, we don't even need it for internal purposes. We never need it to leak out how many people we have. And he goes, and besides that, let's just be realistic. If nobody shows up, do you really want a number stating that? See, I mean, that's business. That 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 is truly a statement. But you know what happened? That Saturday in October finally arrived, and so did the men. Just after midnight... Until the official start of 10 a.m., a steady stream of buses rolled into Washington, D.C. We used media credi- we issued media credentials to 1,098 reporters from around the globe. C-SPAN aired the whole eight-hour event live to 90 million households. Before a watching world, men from across America and from several dozen other nations filled the National Mall. Independently, various media organizations that day, not Promise Keepers, not Mark's group, estimated that it was the largest gathering ever held on the National Mall with over a million men. To this day, they say it's still the largest. By the end of the event, our decision to pump the brakes on hyperbold had two important effects. Now, this is where if you're a CEO, if you're a field leader, listen to me right now. If you own a business, this is important. Because they didn't overhype the event, they went in there with humility. They went in there with a purpose, and they stayed true to their purpose. We, we learned about that yesterday. The first journalist who covered Stand in the Gap had nothing to challenge, nothing to attack, and no basis on which to label it less than successful. Second, Images had more, had said more and with greater impact than any boost beforehand. Do you know that day, and I remember some of these images, not only did they fill up the National Mall, but for two blocks around the mall, men were into the, the, the fields and the parks and the byways. They couldn't even get to the National Mall. There was that many men who said, we want to make a difference. For our families, it was it's it's huge. It's still a pretty big little deal today, but it was gigantic in the nineties. Mark said, "Under promise, over deliver." That's what we say at our firms, and that's what we advise our clients on. And nearly fifteen years later, I still am convinced a significant part of the stand in the gap success was our determined and public focus on why we came, and not how many came with us. This day, to this day, I believe we earn the media's respect by foregoing the numbers game. That's the numbers game. This is what burns my butt. I I don't know how many times I hear people say, well, I grew an organization of 100,000 people. No, you didn't. Well, our company, we've got a, a million and 50 distributors. No, you don't. Well, I've been married to the same woman for 27 million years. No, you haven't. She's changed. She's not the same woman. See, we all like to brag instead of acting, instead of just doing, instead of staying focused on what our crusade was. Yesterday we talked about the Salvation Army. The Salvation Army doesn't go published numbers about how many people they do their stuff for. I mean, they've got their their financial statement they've got to put out. But when you look, when you think about it, think back to all the big athletes, think back to all the big CEOs, think back to the corporations, everything. 
I've seen companies in the direct selling world for years start bragging about, we're going to the top, we're going to be a billion dollars, we're going to make it. They take their eye off of what's really important, and they focus it on the freaking numbers, and they fail. I see I see great leaders in the field who, who serve wonderfully take their eye off the ball. I see pastors who were called to help change the world get wrapped up in the numbers. Sadly, I see doctors, the medical industry, get wrapped up in the dollar signs. Some of us wish Washington would focus a little bit more on the number signs. See, we overhype with numbers. We think numbers tell the story, and to a certain degree they do. Obviously, you, you, you can tell if your business is rising or falling. But it's really not the numbers that telling the story. They're a byproduct. What's important is if you're taking the eye off the ball of what you're really supposed to be doing. Richard Brooke, who is just one of my dearest friends, runs 2110 OxyFresh, has a 100-year business plan. They don't get they don't get sidetracked. If somebody comes to Richard, I remember a few months ago I had a friend of mine say, Troy, can you introduce me to Richard? I've, I've got something I want to share, and he told me what he wanted to share. So I got a hold of Richard and said, here's, here's a guy, he's a great friend, I just love him, here's what he'd like to do. And Richard said, it sounds great, but no, 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 we're not going to do that. This is what we're doing, this is why we're doing it. We've got a, we've got a plan, the plan's working, we're not going to change. Tell him to come on board, it, it's working for us, it'll work for him. Richard went back to building his business. You got to build your business. You got to build your relationship. You got to build your marriage. I did that yesterday. I mean, it was it was it was pretty good, pretty good little deal. I just went went yesterday afternoon. We took the day off. Paige and I went and saw this movie. Matter of fact, it was a a movie called One for the Money. It was actually written by a gal. It was the first book Paige ever read, and she said, "I want to be a writer." And that book was the catalyst and. Boom, back she goes. That's pretty rocking. Because who'd have known that she'd write 33, 34 books, have bestsellers just because she read the book of one gal. Well, from there we went to Olive Garden, had a had a wonderful meal at Olive Garden. Came home, just had a wonderful, relaxing evening. Nothing major, nothing big. Took time for what was really important. See, that's what you've got to do, whether it's your business, whether it's your personal life. Don't don't go out there and try to overhype stuff. Take your Don't take your eye off what's really important, but keep your eye on the ball. Mark writes this. He says, I have yet to see a company fail that promises less and delivers more. On the other hand, I have a bulging file of examples to prove that bold predictions can snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory. Man, that's sad. But it goes back. How many companies have you seen that, that, that man, they brag. My, uh, uh, let's use Enron. Enron's a prime example. Let's use uh, MCI. There's another one. Health South. Uh, Health Corporation of America or Hospital Corporation of America. I mean, the list can go on and on. We saw it in the telecommunication world. Excel Communications, billion-dollar business down the drain. Braggadacious people braggadacious companies. See, here's the thing, folks. If it's a company, it comes from a person because a company is an entity. 
So that means it's the person that becomes the personality that's bragging. Why is it that even though I get mad at General Electric for things they do, that they're still in business today? Have you ever thought about just the Jewish people? You know, they were they they were the Hebrews. I don't know somewhere. You know, in the Maccabees, they became the Jews, and and here they are today, the oldest living, breathing succession of a of a people. They can trace their roots back to the dawn of time. They don't get over over braggadocious much anymore. But if you if you just take the Bible in context and then you and then you you back it up against history, here's what you see. When they when they brag they would get captured and then they would be conquered. When they were humble, when they were keeping their eye on the ball, when they were doing what God had called them to do, what happened? They flourished. They survived. They conquered. Do you want your business to flourish? Do you want your marriage to flourish? Do you want your team to flourish? Then you cannot take your eye off the ball. See, here's what happens. And I've seen this in a company called Primerica. I love this company. But they learned a long time ago, don't predict the numbers beforehand. Now, if you're selling tickets and you know how many tickets you sold, then you can share, hey, we've sold this many tickets. But here's what Primerica does. They hold their event. They see how many people were there. Then they put out a press release. Hey, just held our annual convention had 45,000 people show up. See, the opposite is true with some companies who predict that they're going to have hundreds of thousands of people, and then they don't get them. Here's what Mark writes. Listen to this. He says, too many times a leader or spokesperson publicly predicts, let's say, 60,000 attendees only to have 20,000 actually appear. The shame is that an audience of 20,000 people for almost any occasion is hardly small, but relative to the advanced pronouncement, they've set themselves up to fail. See, that's where numbers screw up the network marketing arena. See, what's wrong with America today, the American system of network marketing today is that we're still trying to do what worked in the 60s and the 70s and part of the 80s. Number one movie at the box office in the 80s was Wall Street. And the catchphrase from Wall Street is, greed is good. Well, guess what? Back then, you could predict all these numbers and nobody thought a thing about it. By the 90s, when people were starting to see these companies fail, when they were starting to see the lack of character and the leadership and what had happened, the new generation, those that we call Generation X and Generation Y, said, we don't want any more of this crap. We want legitimate stuff. love it when Mark writes because it makes so much sense. He shared another story that I thought was very interesting. He said, some years ago, an international religious leader set up a charity in Africa to save millions of orphans from AIDS. He began to mobilize people and resources to house thousands of children, a significant start, no doubt. Plans were underway to build an industrial park, an entire education system on thousands of acres. 
the nation took notice, wondering perhaps if it might be too good to be true. Before one shovel of dirt was turned, the head of the charity publicly announced that the project would be the largest humanitarian religious movement in the history of the world from the U.S. to Africa. Pretty audacious statement. Four months later, still before ground had broken, the same man resigned from the charity and left the continent, leaving a new president and a bewildered staff to make good on his promise. He later said, I put it all down as one of the biggest disappointments in my career. Do you want your career, do you want your life to be with disappointments? I look at small companies. I've got I've got some small clients that I work with. Plexus Worldwide out of Phoenix. A very humble organization. Last year grew 1,400%. They went from 700 distributors to over 12,000. And yet still to this day, most people outside of a couple of states in the south have never heard of this company. Because they don't focus on the numbers. They focus on delivering a product that will help people that have diabetes and people with breast cancer. And they don't take their eye off the ball. See, that's what makes the difference between successful companies and those that fail. You have to keep your eye on the ball. You don't need to go out there every day and brag about all you're doing. Mark writes something here that's pretty pretty stout. He says, unfortunately, though sometimes deservedly, my field of PR often gets tagged with slurs like, slurs like spin, puff, and hype. On the web, he says, I actually discovered a firm called Hype Public Relations that claimed unparalleled success in establishing credibility and brand awareness for its clients. I thought to myself, what company hands their credibility to a firm called Hype? Webster's Dictionary says hypes mean deceit. Flip ahead to hype bold and you get figurative language that largely overstates or exaggerates fact. Hardly a calling card that I would look for. See, when I go to my clients or they come to me, the first thing that I make clear to them is we're not here to hype you. We're here to present authentic credibility, to look at everything that's there, to look at the facts, to create an image that is true to your character. So I don't take very many clients a year. But those clients that I take, I under-promise and I over-deliver. It's important to me to do that because that means it sticks with my character. See, you've got to go out there today and decide in your life do you want to under-promise or over-deliver? My daddy's going through a, a, an issue. He's, he, I always use my dad. He's my hero. But he's got this heart issue that he's had to deal with. And I got pretty frustrated a, a month or so ago when the doctors were, were coming up with all these things about why they weren't going to operate until I started to realize something. They were under-promising. They weren't hyping the fact that they are the greatest heart surgeons and they're going to make it work. What they did was they looked at everything and they said, "There's, you know, these are my words, but basically there's no doubt that we can do the surgery. The odds are you'll probably survive the surgery. However, we're not sure that you would survive the rehab afterwards. So if you can't get stronger today and do the rehab today 
and get off your dadgum butt today, then we're sure not going to put you on the table just to have you die down the road because you can't do the, the rehab at all because it's paying so bad. Now, to me, that's 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 pretty good stuff. They're not overhyping. They're not letting their egos get out of check. And they're, I mean, let's be realistic. Last person in the world is going to give me a knife and say, do heart surgery. It's my dad. I mean, I'm not a heart surgeon. You can give me a knife and I can carve somebody up pretty good. I've, I've studied knife fighting pretty well. But there's a big difference. See, folks, this is what you have to be willing to do. Mark's firm is anti-hype. He says sometimes to our own determined when people are seeking and will pay for hard sell or soft evidence on soft evidence a people or a project that would fail to justify or notice on its own merit it's the hype that puts it to use and he says we pass on that he said matter of fact once in an, in an introductory meeting as we laid out what we do their client interrupted and said you have the opportunity to change our view our view on public relation firms see that's the difference you have an opportunity today to change the view of people that people have on network marketing. Matter of fact, in just a few weeks, I will stand before a crowd of my constituents, some of the most successful men and women in network marketing, to lay out a cry that we get away from the hype and that we start living with authentic credibility and we start telling the truth about things based on facts and not fiction. I may get booed out of the room. Who knows? But when I walk out of that room, they will know where I stand. Mark wrote this. I'm going to close for the day. He says, I've learned that great leaders are, first of all, great servants. And that great service is modest. Understand in speech and in action. Understatement is self-restraint, and self-restraint is hardly a sign of weakness. On the contrary, wisely used, few things carry more power than self-restraint. You think about that today as you go out there and you're talking to prospects. If you're trying to blow smoke up their skirts, you're probably going to fail. If you're willing to just sit down and tell them, man, our company's not perfect, we're going to screw something up, but by golly, we're on a crusade to change the world, and here's how we're doing it, sky's the limit on where you can go. That's a fact. Tomorrow, Chapter 5, Work Less, Think More. Better still, work on thinking. We're going to love this one. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here tomorrow with us on RealMentorsRadio.com. Bye now.